Chapters three and four of Pep, the story of a brave dog by Clarence Hawkes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter three, the crossing. Noticing that several of the ship's officers whom they passed eyed Pep askance, the doctor singled out the most affable-looking one and went straight to the point what about dogs he asked my dog followed me to the very gangplank and i had to bring him along or miss the boat he is a very valuable dog i wouldn't have anything happen to him for the world he is a blue ribbon dog the officer looked at the dog doubtfully if you really value him he said you had better not let the first mate see him he is death on dogs why the last trip across he had four thrown overboard they were pets of wounded soldiers too it made the crew as mad as march hares there wasn't any sense in it either at this the doctor looked troubled but he was a diplomat and a man of quick action he knew there was many a way of circumventing unjust regulations like this here is a five-dollar bill he said slipping the green back into the hand of the officer you introduce me to the official who is the most of a dog lover oh that's the old man said the official doubtfully i wouldn't dare to approach him but you might appeal to him if the worst came he is the captain of the ship but we call him the old man the head steward keeps a little dog in his cabin perhaps he might accommodate you so they went to the chief steward's cabin where they found that necessary official swearing at his associates another dog he snorted when the proposition had been put up to him well i guess not ginger worries me nearly to death he is a blue ribbon dog explained the doctor they would keep each other company take a look at him he held pep up for inspection the steward gave pep a hurried glance then came nearer to get a better view he stroked his sleek head and tweaked his ears fondly the very picture of my old sally why i sailed fifteen years with that dog she was better company than half the folks why yes i can make a place for him here ginger come here and take a whiff of your shipmate the doctor set pep down on the floor and the small black and tan dog approached gingerly as suited his name but pep gave him just one disdainful glance then looked the other way they'll be all right when they get acquainted said the doctor you see pep is rather exclusive finally the dogs touched noses and were friends pep was given an old sou'wester to lie upon and the steward promised to keep an eye on him while the doctor went to look for his cabin although the doctor visited pep twice that evening and he seemed snug and comfortable yet he could not forget the horrible picture of the first mates having the pets of the wounded soldiers thrown overboard so he determined to have it out with the old man as they called him the very next day all that night the great ship ploughed her way through the darkness her lights were all out but half a mile to the north and half a mile to the south a long rakish torpedo boat ran parallel with her these were her escort no one knew at what moment a submarine might appear so every precaution was taken against those devils of the deep the following morning was bright and beautiful with a stiff wind blowing at the ship's bow everyone was in the best of spirits and all danger was forgotten in the middle of the forenoon the doctor discovered the ship's captain standing near the wheel he had been talking with the man at the wheel but he was not busy then the moment seemed auspicious and the doctor approached him without delay sir he said saluting i understand you like dogs 
the captain was a man of sixty but he looked much older his face was wrinkled and weather-beaten but a smile shone through his weather-stained visage who told you that he asked it wasn't the first mate no sir returned the doctor it wasn't the first mate but you do like dogs rather said the captain looking off across the broad expanse of blue rolling sea would you like to see the champion of the recent new york dog show he is a gentleman an english bull terrier there isn't any such animal aboard returned the captain oh yes there is replied the doctor if you have a few minutes come with me and i will show him to you the captain followed incredulous and excited if there really was a blue ribbon english bull terrier aboard he wanted to know it it would never do to risk such a prize with his present mate the dog hater they found pep waiting for them and straining at his leash the doctor picked him up that the captain might better admire him for several seconds he looked him over in silence then put out his hand and stroked his sleek head he's a blue ribbon dog sure enough he said at last i'll speak to the mate about him we don't want him swimming for his life in the atlantic that mate is a strange man there's something wrong about him but he is a good officer pep is to be a regular passenger with all the privileges of the ship sir pep became a prime favorite with several of the passengers once he was permitted to come out of hiding although the first mate glowered at him and muttered ominously he did not dare lay hands on him since the old man had said he was a regular passenger with all the privileges of the ship one little girl in particular hilda converse the daughter of an importer who was going across in the interest of his firm fairly worshipped pep hilda had just lost her mother and that was why her father was taking her with him under such dangerous circumstances hilda and pep were inseparable once she had found her way to his warm dog heart the morning of the fifth day out dawned dark and stormy the wind had picked up a great sea and the mighty swells rolled mountain high finally the wind increased to the dimensions of a hurricane and all but the most hardy sought their cabins the doctor however liked to stay out in the open where he could watch the storm the winds fairly shrieked in the rigging and about the tall smokestacks the sea hissed and seethed and the winds whipped it and beat upon it until the air was filled with flying spray finally such a yeast was kicked up that one could gather hands full of the feathery foam from the air sky and water seemed to meet and the mighty ship and its human freight were at the very heart of this terrible storm so far as they could see or feel this was all there was to the world a world of wind and foam all turbulence and frightfulness one of the ship's boats was broken loose by a mighty sea and swept away it rose upon the top of a great swell then sank into the trough and was seen no more the doctor watched the ship's crew narrowly as they worked they worked like soldiers each doing his part with dispatch and decision the captain stood on the bridge the mastermind the ship the crew all obeyed him implicitly he was the will of the ship and an iron will at that finally the fury of the storm spent itself and the skies cleared but the effect of the hurricane was still manifest in the sea great foam-covered swells rolled by many of them breaking over the lower deck but they were rhythmic and one always knew when to expect the next one 
this was all right as long as the waves ran at the regulation height but the combers were quite different in them is an element of danger that no seamanship can guard against no matter how skilful it may be a comber is a wave twice or three times as high as its fellows it is the king of waves riding head and shoulders above its fellows and often carrying death and destruction in its wake combers sixty feet high have been observed by trustworthy witnesses the ship had experienced several combers about five o'clock none of which did any damage although they drenched the lower deck and sent hogsheads of water into the cabin the sun had come out and many of the passengers had reappeared on deck little hilda had gone down into the steerage to visit another girl with whom she had become acquainted they were standing by the rail chattering away excitedly about the storm when the father of all combers reared its foam-covered crest close to the ship the ship's officers had seen it coming but had not appreciated how tall it was because the seas were running so high it struck the side of the ship with a noise like heaviest thunder and submerged the lower deck three feet deep with hissing water it fairly covered the two little girls but would have done no special harm had not the return impulse of the wave picked hilda up and carried her over the rail into the boiling sea the doctor and the second mate who were standing on the hurricane deck saw the frightful accident and gave the alarm although the sea was still running mountains high and it was doubtful if a boat could live in it yet a crew sprang to the nearest lifeboat and began slowly lowering it the doctor strained his eyes to see if hilda came up on the crest of the next wave for she had immediately disappeared in the trough to his great joy the red dress appeared on the very crest my god cried the mate there she is if there was only something or somebody to keep her afloat until the boat could reach her but no man could swim in that sea pep was whimpering at his master's legs trying to climb up that he might see over the rail he knew instinctively that something terrible had happened he read his master's thought like an open book his sharp yelp of excitement called the doctor's attention to him the surgeon stooped down and lifted him to the rail and in that moment a sudden inspiration came to him pep see hilda bring hilda one of the tricks the doctor had taught him was to retrieve and now the accomplishment stood them all in good stead could he reach the girl should he send him the chance looked slim but in his profession human life was always set above animal life so he repeated look pep hilda bring with these words he raised the dog above the rail and pitched him into the raging sea it was a good fifty feet down to the water but the dog landed right side up and did not seem to mind the plunge for he began swimming directly towards the girl whom he had recognized from his perch on the rail the minute following was a tense one for all concerned there was the raging sea on one hand trying to suck up the little human life and there was the brave dog and the boat battling for her life a great shout went up from the ship as pep reached his playmate and fastened his teeth firmly in her dress the first part of the battle against the elements had been won could the faithful dog hold on till the boat reached them all held their breath as the dog struggled to keep his place above the wave while the lifeboat fought its way toward them could they hold out would the boat be able to reach them these were the questions on all lips 
the minute seemed like an hour so tense it was but all minutes come to an end and this one did with glorious victory not victory for the sea but victory for the dog and the boat for at last the watchers saw the boat reach them and the strong arm of a sailor reach out and drag them both to safety then they fought their way back to the ship while the passengers cheered themselves hoarse hilda was unconscious when they placed her in her father's arms and pep was so weak he could hardly stand but his eye was full of fight and he could still wag his tail in appreciation of the petting he received a warm bed and a restorative soon set hilda right and pep only needed rest but he had gained his place among the crew and the passengers as a hero if he had not been a sensible dog they would have spoiled him with petting during the remainder of the trip four days later the ship came close to the irish coast and precautions were redoubled this was the submarine zone and no one knew at what moment those devils of the deep might appear it was nearly midnight the ship was creeping along through the darkness with all lights out closely guarded by two torpedo boats the doctor was sleeping soundly in his bunk and pep was dreaming of home in the cook's cabin when there came a mighty explosion which shook the great ship from bow to stern there had been no warning it had come like a sudden clap of thunder yet everyone knew instinctively that they had been struck by a torpedo immediately all was confusion passengers came hurriedly on deck dressing as they came for a few seconds two powerful searchlights played upon the water about the ship to discover the submarine if possible and the guns at the bow and the stern were made ready for instant action but the murderous devilfish had departed as suddenly as it had appeared the ship was listing badly and the hole was fast filling so the boats were made ready the doctor did not know whether he would be allowed to take pep with him or not but he went to the cook's cabin for the dog the crew worked silently and like soldiers so rapidly they performed their tasks that when the doctor reappeared with pep the first boatload was pulling away from the ship soon the doctor's unit was called and he went around to the other side of the ship where a boat was already nearly loaded can i take the dog with me asked the doctor doubtfully as he reached the rail a ship's officer stood at the rail with drawn revolver not by a damn sight he growled look at that boat the doctor looked the lifeboat was crowded to the gunwale hurry commanded the officer the boat is waiting but what shall i do with my dog pleaded the doctor though he saw that pep's case was hopeless hurry i tell you it's no time to be haggling about the life of a dog get in or i will give the signal for the boat to pull off all right said the doctor give it i won't leave pep here here doctor growled a stern-visaged colonel coming up behind them you are under military orders get into that boat give the dog to me he snatched the growling dog from his master's arm and threw him upon the deck and then fairly shoved the doctor over the rail and down into the boat the doctor heard a dismal howl from pep as he was left behind and then he felt the boat lowering towards the water officer he called to the man at the rail shoot the dog i can't leave him in that way but instead of shooting him the officer kicked at pep who was trying desperately to climb over the rail the doctor sat huddled in the corner of the lifeboat his head in his hands as they pulled away from the ship 
it seemed strange to the other passengers that with death all around them a strong man should feel so deeply the loss of a dog but only dog lovers understand these things no one but a dog lover knows the comfort of that soft tongue on your cheek or the muzzle in your hand presently the doctor was aroused from his grief by a wild yelp he looked back toward the ship and in the darkness he could just see pep balancing himself on the rail and a second later he sprang into the sea at the sight hope welled up in the physician's heart if it was not more than five miles to the shore perhaps the dog could swim soon the white head appeared close to the boat and the dog whimpered to be taken aboard but his master could not even do that much for him the law of the ship was like the laws of the persians irrevocable but he talked to pep and encouraged him as he swam behind half an hour passed and the dog swam steadily they must have covered two miles another half hour went by and pep began to weaken and to lag behind occasionally he stopped to tread water the doctor's heart sank within him it was going to be a losing fight for brave pep after all but at this point the boat stopped to determine if possible their direction and by a mighty effort pep regained the gunwale then a bright idea came to the doctor and he cursed his stupidity for not having thought of it before he unlaced his shoes and tied the strings together then he coaxed pep close to the boat and tied the shoestring in his collar with that done he breathed a great sigh of relief the dog was now as safe as the rest of them if the boat made shore he would two hours later the lifeboat grounded on the beach and the physician dragged his nearly senseless bull terrier after him to the shore he was quite spent but could still wag his tail and lick his master's hands and the doctor knew that rest was all he needed good stuff old pal he said tweaking the dog's ears as he set him down on the beach it takes more than a submarine to put you and me out of commission we shall get even with the bosch for this to which pep responded with a sigh of deep satisfaction End of chapter three chapter four the hospital pep and his master were finally assigned to duty in the great hospital at brest and life went on there quite to the dog's liking the hospital was composed of a number of long low buildings all cool clean and quiet there were so many buildings and wards for different ailments that pep wondered how his master could ever remember where all his patients were when the doctor was too busy to have him around pep spent his time in the dispensary where he was a prime favorite with captain everts who had charge of this important portion of the hospital the captain was also a doctor so sometimes his friends called him doc and sometimes cap but all were very respectful there was a fine soft rug under a great table and here pep would lie for hours watching the doctors and nurses come and go some of them spoke to him and some did not for some of them he would grin and wag his tail but the majority he hardly deigned to notice he usually went with the doctor for his morning rounds through the wards he would follow sedately at his master's heels from ward to ward when his master stopped to examine a patient pep stopped and watched proceedings narrowly there were several things that he noticed his master always did first he would say good morning and how are you this fine day the doctor always said that no matter if it was raining buckets full and it was either raining or cloudy most of the time 
then the doctor would go to the paper which they called a chart at the head of the bed and study it intently pep could usually tell whether or not his master was pleased with what he saw on the chart when he was not pleased the doctor would take out his watch and hold the man's wrist he would also sometimes look at the patient's tongue but usually the surgeon spent his time putting on bandages changing dressings and doing other needful things for the poor wounded soldiers some of the men would speak to pep and for some of them he would stand on his hind legs and let them stroke his head if he liked the soldier he would lick his hand so it happened that many of the soldiers came to look for pep's morning visit as much as they did for the doctor's he would often visit at the convalescence ward on his own account there the men were up walking around or sitting in chairs usually they would be playing cards reading or writing letters home they often took pep into their confidence and told him about their sweethearts at home or that he reminded them of a dog they once knew several of the soldiers in this ward became very fond of pep and he of them he would allow himself to be stroked and petted a great deal by his favorites he felt in some way that it helped the soldiers to pet him he knew that he and his master were here to help the soldiers so he would gladly sacrifice his dignity in the same cause he would sit gravely listening for half an hour at a time while the soldiers talked excitedly about the battles they had been in he noted that their faces always grew grave or angry when they mentioned the word bosch so he finally decided in his dog way which was not quite clear as to the reasons why that bosch meant something bad it was probably the enemy the thing that they were all out here to fight finally one of the men who was fond of dogs and had a trick dog at home taught pet to growl at the mention of the bosch and this accomplishment greatly pleased the soldiers every two or three days the activities at the hospital would be doubled and then pep would often hear the word battle that meant that the number of ambulances arriving that day would be greatly increased at such times he was always out in the great quadrangle before the main building watching the ambulances come and go and the nurses and doctors unload the wounded men it was a serious time no one laughed or joked here as they did in the dispensary at such times his master would not even notice him when he rubbed against his leg to attract his attention pep slept on his fine rug under the table in the dispensary someone was always on duty and nurses were coming and going all night in fact the hospital was almost as busy during the night as it was in the daytime one night when he had been there about three weeks he was awakened by the most terrible thunderstorm that he had ever heard or at least that was what he thought it the thunderclaps came one after another in quick succession only they were much more staccato than thunder more like giant firecrackers nurses and doctors were hurrying to and fro and the orderly hospital was turned into pandemonium pep came hurriedly out of his place of hiding under the table to discover what was the matter and soon heard the word bosch everyone was so angry that he decided the bosch must have something to do with the thunderstorm but just what he could not imagine he was trotting about after the captain growling softly to himself when a thunderbolt much louder than the rest exploded right in their midst pep heard the sound of breaking glass all around him some of the pieces stuck in his skin and the air was filled with a pungent liquid that drenched pep's back he growled savagely but his growls changed to yelps when the liquid began eating into his skin with yelps of pain he fled from the dispensary out into the open air 
this did not help much however as the liquid still burned fiercely all was excitement outside the thunder had ceased but broken glass was everywhere while in many places there were bricks and timbers and splintered boards thrown about in every direction finally an orderly noticed pep's distress and examined him he brought ointment and rubbed the dog's back till the burning almost ceased but in the morning it was seen that he had lost a large patch of hair just back of his shoulders this was his first wound at the hands of the boche but not his last the terrible thunderstorm which pep had been through was a boche bombing expedition which had the base hospital as its mark so pep learned that there were devils in the deep and devils in the sky and he knew from what was said about them that they were all boches after that night he growled louder than ever at the word bosch one day about a week after the night bombing expedition pep's master came into the dispensary pep was lying under the table on his favorite rug asleep but he roused himself at the familiar step hello old sport said the physician tossing a stick of cinnamon candy under the table to the dog pep was very fond of candy especially of cinnamon his master who was something of a joker said it was because of the bark in it the terrier wagged his tail in appreciation swallowed the candy after two or three crunches and came out to greet his master the doctor sat down heavily in the easy chair by the table and motioned for pep to come up into his lap this was a privilege for special occasions and the dog complied with alacrity the doctor looked about the room wearily he had just come off duty after eighteen hours and was very tired the large room was nearly empty the only other occupant being a young man who sat at a typewriter clicking away for dear life at the other end of the room it's just you and i pep said the man running the dog's silky ears through his fingers in a way the terrier loved we can have a good visit pep i'm lonesome old chap i want you to comfort me i am thinking of the dear old home and the mistress what do you suppose the little woman is doing to-day i'll bet you another stick of candy against three wags of your tail that she is thinking of us i am sure of that old sport the dog took the proffered candy gingerly in his teeth and then dropped it disdainfully on the floor his master was incredulous so stooped and picked up the candy and offered it again pep was usually ravenous for candy but he again dropped it on the floor then sat up very straight and looked hard into his master's face his ears were cocked his expression was inquiring there was something afoot something in the wind that he did not like no candy for him until his master smiled or looked more cheerful the look that the dog fastened on his face was so intent that the master's gaze fell before that of his inquisitor he pulled the dog's ear to distract him but he would not be distracted instead he put his paws on the man's shoulders and looked fairly into his face the man stooped down and kissed him on the top of the head you are all i have to kiss now pep he said i'd rather kiss you than some folks i'm thinking of home old chap the dog heaved a deep sigh he knew that his master was sad and he was a sort of aeolian harp that always responded to his master's moods with sympathetic chords pep said the doctor sternly sit down in my lap and listen i want to talk to you i am going away 
the dog sat on his haunches in the man's lap and listened intently his head on one side as though to catch each word a sad wistful look on his face the doctor had sometimes used that tone to him before when he was going away to new york for several days then it had meant loneliness and dog heartache so pep was rightfully depressed i'm going away pep it is to the front i am going where the wounded men come from and you must be a good dog and stay here and not run away do you understand you must be a good dog pep knew the tone was that of reproof and admonishment so he dropped his ears and looked very meek the last time i left you you ran away and made me lots of trouble this time you must be good the dog wagged his tail and whimpered he would be good the doctor felt of his collar it was very heavy and studded with brass rivets it's strong enough he said you can't break that then he tried it to see if he could slip it over pep's head it was rather loose so for luck he took it up a hole there now i'll get a good strong chain and i guess you'll be all right of course you'll be lonesome and make a great fuss but these are hard times for us all and you will have to be a good soldier like the rest of us pep had seen the doctor try his collar before when he was to be tied up his freedom was very dear to him he loved to roam about the hospital they were going to tie him up he crawled up and licked his master's face eagerly and pleaded in his dog way it isn't any use old chap you have got to be tied up sadly the terrier sank down in his master's lap a look of utter dejection on his face the doctor laughed it isn't as bad as that old sport if i come back we'll have good times yet if i don't i'll tell them to send you home to the mistress if i don't come back you take good care of the mistress here come my orders old chum said the physician giving pep a final hug as an orderly came in and put a telegram in the surgeon's hand the doctor read the letter hurriedly and put it into his pocket he then brought a heavy dog chain and snapped it into pep's collar and led him out of the dispensary to a storeroom where he sometimes slept at night he fastened the chain securely to a staple in the wall and after giving pep a parting hug departed hurriedly unmindful of his whimpers and angry barks half an hour later the doctor was on a train speeding away to the front while pep sulked dolefully in the storeroom pep seemed to know instinctively that his master had gone for a long time the doctor had left him several times before for a half a day since they had been in france but now it was different that long confidential talk in the dispensary and the affectionate hugs and lavish petting foretold to his dog's mind a long separation that night pep howled so persistently that his friend the captain finally came into the storeroom and gave him a sound thrashing after this he was silent except for occasional half-stifled whimpers and sobs of grief but though he seemed to take his hard fate stoically he was not reconciled the captain led him each day on the leash into the dispensary and chained him to the leg of the table he watched the movements of every one who came in and if any one spoke to him he at once told them in as plain language as a dog could use to unsnap his chain and let him go but the captain warned each newcomer that pep was to be kept strictly on the chain until his master's return 
in the daytime he was not so lonesome or inconsolable but in the night he often lay awake whimpering for his master or working at his chain and collar trying to get loose he would spend hours tugging at the chain pulling at the staple with his teeth or trying to get at his collar until he lay down utterly exhausted so it fared with pep for two weeks until finally one night when he had tugged and strained even more violently than usual one of the links in his chain which had been only partly welded broke and he was free free from the chain but not free from the hospital he knew well that if any one discovered that he was loose he would be tied up again so he crouched in a corner of the room behind a packing-box and awaited his chance nurses often came to the storeroom in the night for supplies after about half an hour the door opened quickly and someone came in hurriedly the door was left half ajar so pep slipped out and ran into the main corridor leading to the great quadrangle in front of the hospital here he slipped behind a door and waited for the next door to open luck was with him the telephone was constantly ringing and soon nurses and doctors were hurrying to and fro presently he learned the reason why for they began bringing in an endless procession of wounded men the quadrangle was filled with ambulances he could hear the motors puffing away from his hiding place when wounded and dying men are arriving faster than they can be cared for men do not think much about dogs so it was easy enough for pep to slip out through the quadrangle and into the boulevard he brushed against the leg of his friend the captain who did not even notice him once out on the broad street he turned his nose northward and galloped away like the wind something away to the northeast was calling 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 a mind and a soul that was stronger than his own dog mind was pulling him pulling pulling so why should he not know which way to go this sense or instinct which some of the dumb animals have is called orientation dogs and horses have it to a marked degree and homing pigeons and seals even more thompson seaton tells of how when hopelessly lost in the rocky mountains a dozen miles from home his horse carried him straight to camp when he gave him his head my own small dog a clever beagle has an almost uncanny sense of my whereabouts a sense that transcends mind when i arise in the morning and go from my bedroom to the bathroom he may be playing with some other dogs twenty rods away but as soon as i open my bedroom door as though i had touched a hidden spring in his dog intellect he will turn and gallop for the house and be whining at the front door to be let in when i come downstairs these lesser minds are to our stronger minds as filings to the magnet we call and they come though no word is spoken and our command may only be expressed in a great longing so pep galloped and galloped and knew not why only something was calling and calling and he could but obey he did not need a map or a compass his dog instinct supplied both the reason for his galloping was this his master who was also his god lay in a narrow gulch at the edge of the argonne forest close to a little brook in a popular thicket shot through the hips and nearly dead from thirst and loss of blood End of chapter four